probably the hardest part of running a business is learning to trust other people with your baby. Um, but you have to, you have to do that. If you want to grow, you have to be able to delegate and know, you know, be able to see talent and get those people on, like get the right people on the right bus in the right seat. Hello and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. The riches are in the niches. You probably heard this phrase a lot. I know we have. In this podcast episode, we have the perfect example of that with a multi-million dollar Shopify business selling bikinis for women's bodybuilding competitions. And let me tell you, they are killing it. The owner, Kara, shares with us how and why they started this business, their biggest mistakes, which actually has to do with deviating too far from their niche, and their biggest advice for anyone wanting to start an e-commerce uh, clothing business, and also some of their favorite Shopify apps. All right, Kara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Super excited to chat. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here and talk all about Shopify and online store and e-commerce and all that fun stuff. Absolutely. I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't have a little bit of background here. Um, we can talk about how we, we all know each other, but I'm just more so curious of kind of the origin because you guys are like straight up pure entrepreneurs, like uh, very young age. So I'd love to hear a little bit of origin story and then we can jump into, I think that'd be a good guiding point to, to jumping into like, like how are you guys doing different things, product lines and, and we can get, in, get into numbers and all that kind of fun stuff after that. Yeah, that sounds great. The uh, origin story is pretty fun to tell. You know, I've been asked it so many times. Um, it's actually funny when my husband's around, I'm like, why don't you tell it? To that to everyone because he just knows it by memory so all started back in 2013 i had just graduated college from ku as a respiratory therapist and i was doing that full time and you know wanted something new to challenge myself in the time before i applied to grad school so i decided to do a fitness competition with bikini bodybuilding and so you know i ordered the competition suit online from what i was told was the highest quality suits you could buy and it was not good it was it didn't fit me the material was low quality the connectors on the side were almost broken and so i showed it to my mom and you know she had made all of our clothes growing up and she said that she could make it herself and so i was like okay and then this was in you know around october of 2013 and so we started making the suits in our apartment and started selling them on ebay and we realized wow we can you know get a lot of margin on these suits so one thing led to another we went to etsy and then we went to shopify and then we moved into a house for the business we kept thriving and then we moved into a 6500 square foot manufacturing place in lenexa kansas we're still there and every year we 
we've been very fortunate other than 2020 we have grown every year that is awesome and uh i don't know if you're i don't know if you like you have a twin we should probably say that you have a twin sister right is she did she still work with you in the business or you guys uh, started together i didn't know if how exactly that transpired or or what'll happen with that necessarily yeah, so we're still co-owners. Uh, she has decided to take a step down from a big role at the company. She does a little bit here and there, but she's busy doing things. She just started a family. And so her role is a lot different than what it was when we first started. But she's definitely still a huge asset to the brand and to the business. Very cool. Okay. So yeah, started the brand with your sister and then now you guys have kind of expanded, but are you still selling on eBay? Are you still setting on selling on Etsy right now or is it exclusively just Shopify? It's just Shopify. Very cool. And I saw, go ahead, Christian. No, I was just going to go more into the, um, for those who are not familiar with competition bikinis and uh, sort of that whole realm, um, I guess what's the significance of, uh, you know, starting a business like this and why did you decide that there was something missing, right? In, in that particular, you know, target audience. Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people are confused and they're thinking, why would someone spend a thousand dollars on a bikini? But so the closest thing I can relate it to is kind of like a figure skating outfit. You know, mm -hmm. those can range from anywhere from $50 all the way up to 3000. So we have an average selling price of about $500 per suit and they're all completely customized to the measurements. They're made with 925 silver connectors and a lot of the materials are from the Czech Republic with the stone, the crystals, the rhinestones and the fabric, you know, so every single material that goes into this suit is of the highest quality and all of the people that work on the suits have been trained exclusively in competition suits for bodybuilders. So it's a very customized product on top of being something very unique and high quality. Yes, there are a lot of customizations, which means there is a lot of room for error to make. So we have a very extensive quality control process in place. I was going to say, what is it? Because I on the video that's on the website, I just I want everybody to go like go check out the website, too. But like somebody's literally hand putting on the stones to the bikini. Like there isn't a machine doing that or maybe that's changed from now. But like somebody's literally putting on each stone. Yeah, we put on the stones, that which is. is the most time consuming part of the process is the crystallizing. So that's why if you get on Indeed right now, we usually always have an open position for a crystallizer just because we keep growing and that's where we need the most help. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, I was going to say, so like competition wise, like are there competitions going on like all of the time? And so there's just an influx or do you guys have seasonality with the business that just kind of goes up and down or what is what is the uh, like the purchase cycle for for a product like this? Yeah, that's a great question. There is a little bit of seasonality because the season ends around November and then it starts back up in March. So we do see a dip in sales around the holidays, which is very different from most 
other companies that see, you know, a huge influx in that November, December time. And customers usually order their suit around eight weeks before their competition. So we definitely like mid-November, we are pretty slow until the end of the year, which does work out well because we can get away with a big Black Friday sale to, and it won't take away the value of the suits. Gotcha. And it kind of yeah pushes people to purchase during like that time period versus like having a, just a complete lull for, for sales. Um, I, I have to ask, so like uh, what was the, you know, what basically turned this into a flywheel into a very, you know, healthy seven figure company? Like what, what made this grow? Did you like word of mouth? Are you guys running ads? What do you, what can you point to or maybe several things that you can point to to like, where's the growth come from this? Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth because bodybuilding is a very tight community because I don't know if you've ever met a bodybuilder, but we're all very weird. <laughs> you have to live a weird lifestyle. So, you know, they just, you're, you're so close, the camaraderie, you know, misery loves company, not saying it's miserable, but you know, it, it is a weird sport being that you actively choose to diet when you're already a healthy weight and you go to the gym at least once a day, sometimes twice. So a lot of it is word of mouth, but what really took us off from the beginning was Instagram. We started our Instagram page in 2013 and this is when influencer marketing had just started and we really used that to our advantage reaching out to some smaller accounts and offering here's a bikini let it for free you know let us know what you think and any improvements we can make on it you know we we use the influencer marketing as to get help getting our product better but then also to have them share their photos and say where they got their suit do they still do that today? Are you still working with a lot of influencers now in the space? Yeah, we work with a lot of the top athletes in the space. I would say that we're, it's not an influencer marketing brand type of thing. It's sort of, I like to think of it like how, you know, Nike sponsors LeBron James. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but so like we sponsor Ashley Kaltwasser, who is the all time go of the bikini bodybuilding. So that's huge for us because not only do we get Ashley Kaltwasser wearing our suits, but she can also give us feedback that is priceless about how the industry is evolving and changing and what patterns we need to update because bikini bodybuilding just started in 2009. So with a sport that's so new, there comes a lot of changes. So since we started, we've updated all of our patterns and designs so many times just to make the customer, you know, to stay on par with what the judges are wanting to see and as the sport grows and evolves. What would you say is the, it's like as, as this sports evolves and your business evolves, what is, what are the things that have kind of helped you stay around for this long? Right, we're getting ready to go into 2023, so you're about to be a 10 year old business, which is just that seems crazy. Um, because, like I said, we we knew each other in college, so it's like, oh, this was just a few years ago. But I guess it's about yeah, about 10 years ago that this has been going on. 
what do you feel like has helped you guys adapt or like what are the bigger changes that you've made um, to continue to adapt with it? Because I, I mean, that's a big period of time to uh, to continue to do the same thing. Yeah, so I have a great team right now. Like we are, you know, we had, there's a team of about 20 of us and that has been probably the hardest part of running a business is learning to trust other people with your baby. And so it did take a while, you know, to let someone else be in control of things. Um, but you have to you have to do that. If you want to grow, you have to be able to delegate and know, you know, be able to see talent and get those people on, like get the right people on the right bus in the right seat. And then another thing that we do, which is, unique from other businesses is that we we really try to or we really push ourselves past what we can manage and that is the quickest way to grow really pushing yourself to more than what you can do you're going to make mistakes but use those mistakes and learn from them and keep doing that over and over again so i almost feel like we're always taking on way too much that we can handle, but that's how we've been able to learn so much. I was going to say, is there, is there anybody else like in the space that does anything like close to what you guys do with the customization or anything like that? Or are you guys in a different level of your own at this point? We definitely do have some com competitors, uh, companies and, you know, it is, it's a great thing that we actually are at about a, we have the biggest market share of any other competition soup company in the world. But on a positive note, it's only like about 6% of the market share. So we have so much room wow. to grow. It's a lot bigger market than people think, you know, like people still ask me, Oh, is that what you do full time? As in like, <laughs> Like, this is just a little hobby. And it's kind of funny because people will tell my husband, they're like, oh, it's so great that you support her and her little business. And he's just like, <laughs> but there, it's a huge, it's a huge market of bodybuilders and it's growing every year, especially, you know, I was talking about earlier in 2009, the organization came out with the bikini division and that opened the door to so many women because for the bikini division, and that's what I compete in, you can do it very healthy. You know, you do not, you can be the top of the top bikini athlete in the world and do it completely drug-free, which is kind of surprising to, for people to hear. And they're like, wait, what, what do you mean drug-free? Well, it's no secret that female bodybuilders, you know, especially in the nineties, they're obviously on illegal drugs you can't look like oh. that without so when the bikini division came out and they're looking for more of a feminine look it really opened the door for more athletes in the sport and it just keeps growing so okay interesting and were the were the drugs uh are the, going back to that because it's just intriguing at the point are the drug were the drugs illegal to use to to be into competition kind of like with with other sports or it was like it's just more of like at your own risk basically and they just they don't test or anything or like how do, how did that play how does that play out i'm just curious 
Um, so like the drugs are illegal uh, unless you get a doctor's prescription for them. So it's not like people are taking anything that's, you know, on the black market that you're just not supposed to take. But some of the leagues are called natural leagues where you cannot have any of the illegal substances in your body, even if it's even if you have a prescription for it for a medical reason, you cannot have it in your body. So um, there's depends on the league that you're in. But for um, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger League, like what he won, that's the biggest league in the world. Um, you are not tested. And that's, I guess that's all I'm going to say is you, you aren't tested. So the people that do take the drugs, usually it's a prescription. There's not a lot of people doing black market type stuff in the sport. Okay. Yeah. Whole, whole different world than I was Yeah, expecting. I mean, I, I guess with any sport, right, you have some kind of performance enhancing type of atmosphere or like a idea that could go through it. But yeah, it's just a different level of how they actually compete with this. Um, we could, uh, I'm curious because Christian and I were looking at this uh, even beforehand. You have several different things that are going on right now that are outside of the bikinis. Like when did that happen? Like there's makeup there. I mean, there's probably more than what I've uh, even seen so far, but like you guys have expanded outside of bikinis. What, what all are you um, working or what other spaces are you working in right now? And I guess the question is it bikinis or suits? I felt like the, yeah. So we, it goes hand in hand. You okay. can call them bikinis. You can call them suits. They both mean the same thing to me. Okay. We have recently started, you know, yes, a, a makeup line, an activewear line. We sell backstage accessories, jewelry. We want to be a one-stop shop for the athlete so that they can just order everything they need for their competition. But then the biggest business venture that we've taken on is our angel fashion show and we started that in 2018 because in the world of bikini bodybuilding you get super shredded for your competition and then a couple weeks later maybe a couple months later you've gained you know you're at a healthy body fat because the stage look is not realistic or healthy to maintain for long term mm -hmm. and so even though you look amazing two months after your show to other people, to yourself, you're comparing yourself to what you look like on stage. And it is something in the sport that's not really talked about too much, but body dysmorphia is a very real thing in bodybuilding. So the Angel Fashion Show is all about getting on stage in, you know, your off season, you're not competition lean, you're at a healthy body fat level, and you get to just show your confidence on stage and we use props angel wings so it's sort of like the victoria's secret fashion show but the models are all fit healthy and muscular that's amazing and you said since 2018 um and you've been doing it every single year basically yeah except for 2020 and we actually just this weekend um we went down to texas i just got back late last night and we did our first traveling fashion show. And that was really, really cool to put on. And we're gonna, you know, this kicks off our tour of fashion shows. So coming up in 2023, we have four planned and we're gonna add a couple more 
as well on top of those four that we have planned. We're out in Texas. Just curious. San Antonio. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. We're up in the Dallas area. Come to Dallas. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a 14-hour drive. I learned that this weekend. <laughs> I didn't know it was that long, but <laughs> yeah, it's it was an, a fun drive. It's another five, five and a half just from us in Dallas. So it's it's definitely a a road trip. Uh, a flight from KC to to San Antonio may be better next time. I don't know. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. So... Who comes up with the who comes up with these ideas? Is it like a your COO and you are just like brainstorming of like new ideas, or they just come like in conversation or what? Because you guys obviously have expanded. There's so much, so many like I feel like new ideas, and it seems like everything is like you know hitting on all cylinders. But I'm just curious, like who's who comes up with these, or how do they come to to fruition here? We really empower all of our employees to be able to give ideas openly without any repercussions. And we routinely do brainstorming sessions where in a brainstorming session, it's very important to have no judgment for any ideas and think quantity of ideas over quality, which is reverse from what we're used to. So we do a lot of these brainstorming sessions and we try things. We aren't afraid to try things. We've made so many mistakes and uh, we just see what works and keep improving and going from there. So I will say a lot of it is the team that comes up with ideas and then we have a great systems. We have a great project manager that does all the systems for us. And um, I think I kind of answered that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I guess in that same vein that I'm thinking about is like a, the store, right? So you you moved from Etsy and eBay, grew this store, and now like obviously all of these things are sold through Shopify, but running e-commerce business is a whole nother, like if you opened up a retail space, right? There's that's there's a level of complexity, but like now you're talking about like e-commerce as a whole, right? Driving sales and, and messing with your like working on your conversion rate for your site or your bounce rate or speed of the site. Um it, who, who I guess uh, who built your guys' first site and then like how to what does that look like today as far as the the day to day for the website right now? Okay, so I built the first site on Wix and well, Lauren and I did it together and that worked, but we wanted something more sophisticated and professional. So I think it was in 2015. We were not on Wix very long, maybe two years. We switched over to Shopify and we actually still do everything ourselves on the website because this sport that we're in evolves so quick and there are changes that need to be made at Ascentit. So it would probably be strategic to outsource that and have like a true website developer and designer to code everything and build it from scratch. But it's not financially in our budget right now because we'd have to spend so much money constantly reaching out to make improvements. And so 
we've just built the site ourselves. Well, I was going to say, it looks, that's amazing. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> and the photography is amazing too. Are you guys taking all those photos like at your warehouse or? The majority of them, yes, we take at our warehouse. Yeah, I was going to say. I wanted to ask um, more specifically on the website, since you've done, you know, very hands-on, um, has there been an actual app or maybe feature that you've implemented that has helped you the most and maybe on the opposite something that you've added implemented that you thought was going to be amazing and it was just like didn't do anything for you yes <laughs> okay so are you familiar with the bold apps yeah mm -hmm. yeah they have quite quite a few use the bold product options and that does all of the drop down menus mm -hmm. for us yep. and that can tie to inventory so that we know all the inventory of you know all of our different fabric all of our different connectors we know our on hand inventory so bold has been a great app for us um we in 2019 we started using an app called edit order and that gave us the availability to go into an order and physically edit it after the customer placed the order which was very nice in the beginning but then i realized like three months of using the app that when we would edit the order it would go to quickbooks and make a new order so we had three months oh. of duplicate sales for all of these orders and oh. that was a big headache and so i reached out to the app and they said oh yeah we're aware of this issue and it was very confusing for me as a business owner because i'm thinking who who can use this app with this issue right. so i don't know whatever happened with that app i i don't think they're around anymore probably oh, and i'm guessing so. <laughs> yeah and i'm guessing you needed to edit the orders in, in terms of pricing too right like if, if you needed to add extra things or change the sizing of something, I'm guessing that would change the price and essentially you would have to either charge more or less to customers? Yeah, so customers will frequently reply the day after their order and it could be something like, hey, I showed this to my coach and she wants me to do a smaller connector, you know, so we would just go in and easily edit it. But since then, Shopify has actually added a feature to be able to edit the order on third platform, which I really like how Shopify is really evolving because I mm -hmm. do not like to use any of the third party apps. You know, if Shopify could create something that the bold app did, we would definitely be very interested in that because it's so much easier to have everything under one platform versus using all these different apps that don't necessarily always speak to each other. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping Shopify can start putting out a little bit more features like that. Yeah, uh, that's something that we always advocate for. It's like if you have a theme or you know something that takes care of a lot of different things for you, a lot of different features and do that instead of having yeah, 20 different interconnected third-party apps. Again, yeah, trying to communicate and uh, make it all work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where where do you feel like, I guess I'm curious for the sport as well, but also with y'all because the, I, you said the makeup line is a, is a new spot too and then the fashion um, part of things or like that, the traveling part is also new. Where do you feel like the business is going in the next, 
I wouldn't even say like you guys move so quickly. Uh, two years, right? So 2023, 24. Where do you feel like this the sport is going, and where do you feel like the business is going? That's a great question, and I love that you are asking me what I think for the next two years and not the next five years. That's one of my pet peeves in business is when someone says, "Where do you want to be in five years?" If you can answer that, it's five years is way too long to think about, you know, because things happen so quick. So I love that you you asked that question. We are going to, as I mentioned earlier, go on tour with the Angel Fashion Show, heading up all of the big cities next year. And that will open a lot more doors for us because when we do have the fashion show, let's say, you know, this weekend we did it in San Antonio. We were also able to connect with a lot of the San Antonio athletes and be able to measure them in person. And that just gets our face and our brand in front of different communities. So the Angel Fashion Show is where we are really going to put a lot of our effort in. And it's my, it's kind of one of my passion projects. Like the Angel Fashion Show is my all-time favorite thing we ever get to do. Just meeting all of the women that apply and walk in it is very, it's, it gives me a lot of joy. So I think we are going to continue seeing where we can take this Angel Fashion Show. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to say it's like there's competitions and then obviously have the bikinis, but like uh, there isn't anything like this. So you're literally creating a category of one at this point to, to dominate. Um, and then I think like one of the th- one of the questions we like we always ask too, like is um, like wh- what do you feel like the this episode would be about or how to talk about something or anything like that. But one thing you put in here that was just one more that I thought was interesting and maybe the reason you guys have just dominated in a market is just is the the niching down. Um, and so I guess this is more of like a statement than question. Like, do you feel like if you would have expanded too much in the beginning, it wouldn't have been successful or as successful versus like you niche down into like literally creating like bikinis for a very specific audience. And then now have expanded it within that audience um, and niching down. Like, do you feel like that's a big contributor to your success? Yes. And I have learned that the hard way because ever since we started, people constantly will say, you need to make regular swimwear. I've probably heard that a thousand times, you know, from friends, family members, everyone. And we have tried this twice, doing a full launch, you know, getting all of these, you know, high-end photographers, models, flying them down to invest in a swimwear line. And it just doesn't work because everything is manufactured in Lenexa, Kansas. So you don't really need a swimsuit that's completely custom made to your every single size, like you do if you're on the bodybuilding stage. Because if you've ever seen a bodybuilding competition, you'll realize the girls' bikinis, sometimes it's a matter of one millimeter that if it wasn't custom fit, you would be seeing things that you shouldn't. So (laughs) we have tried, you know, to take other people's advice and, you know, expand more broad, but that doesn't work. I love just having the really niche bodybuilders. And like you said, having those customers already and then using activewear as kind of like an added thing on 
their competition suits so they can, you know, kind of match their activewear to their suit if they want and fun things like that. But I would never say, you know, our activewear is going to be the next Lululemon. That's not where we see the future of our business. It's primarily at every single team meeting, we do these once a month team meetings. We start by saying, we create competition suits for bodybuilders. Just to remind the team that we know what we do and we are going to crush it. We are going to take this niche and make the most, the best quality available by far. So just really being focused on that one niche. Awesome. And the, uh, I was going to, cause you, you pointed it out there too, like the, the athleisure line. I mean, it's unique. I love the, the cheetah bodysuit and like the cheetah, like, like, um, designs there too. So like you guys have done really well with the, with this type of like, I wouldn't say like, um, I don't know, I guess it is. Yeah, there's, okay. There's a lot more than I thought here. There's actually quite a few, um, items there. Um, I just kept scrolling to j just kind of check it out. What person, so yeah. does, most of your like if you had to break up percentage of revenue between bikinis and between uh, active wear and between like makeup what are the percentages of like what actually drives the business for even the fashion show too so right now 90 percent is competition suits but we did just start the active wear this year so and i will say that you know when we take the active wear to expos it's like a 99% rate of people that try it on that buy it because it's different than most other activewear because, you know, it's been, we have 10 seamstresses right here in Kansas city that have designed it versus I see a lot of white labeling of activewear. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the activewear available is all the exact same thing, just with different brands just different logos so this is different than most other things you can find which i think will really set us apart and we'll be able to you know we do have to charge higher than some of the other brands because it is we use a lot of the higher in material and things like that um, and then to pay wages in the u.s is probably like five or six times higher than what you pay, you know, in Pakistan or overseas somewhere. Are you able to, and we can, we can take this part out, but I'm just curious, um, cause we're familiar with, you know, most clothing margins, right? If the cost of goods is, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you're looking at 50 to 60% margins or so. And for your guys as high quality, like, do you work off of similar margins or is it higher or lower? Or I don't know if you can share too much of a ballpark with that. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's a, it's hard to put that on paper because it is, the activewear is so new, but you know, like with the competition suits, since we manufacture everything, we have, you know, the cost of the suit, the cost of labor, the cost of marketing, which the cost of marketing is very, very low. We do not, I think I looked at our numbers last year and it's like 2% of our income was spent on marketing, which wow. is wild compared mm -hmm. to other businesses. Cause I know some people spend upwards of 40 to 50% of their income on marketing. So like we are, we run our business a lot different. Like it's kind of like no rules. We'll find what works for us and go for it. That's very cool. And I was going to say 2%, that's crazy. Like, I mean, 
absolutely. That I mean, just tells you how powerful your your word of mouth is at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys doing anything? I guess just more personally for you, do you do anything like, um, or do you have any aspirations of like a book or speaking or, or like mentoring or anything like that? Just because um, I I think I read it on here. It's like it's it was something about like building bikinis for strong women by strong women or something like that. So it just feels like, you know, this is very inspirational for, I feel like a lot of people. So I don't know if you've thought about any of that or if that's already going on or anything. Um, yeah, down the line. So right now I have my own mentor. I'm a mentee. I don't feel qualified enough or, you know, I feel like to be wise that takes time and age. And I don't feel like I'm ready to write a book or to mentor anyone too in-depthly, being that I am a mentee and I have mentors. So yes, down the line, but for now, I'm just trying to soak up and learn as much as I can and go from there. And you know, like with our team, we really work at empowering all of the employees, you know, giving them access. They have free access to a a gym here in Kansas City. As long as they go four times a month, they have free access to a health and nutrition coach as long as they check in. You know, so when we say it's built by strong women, we truly mean it's built by women that are in the gym lifting more weight than the average. That's cool. It's literally, I mean, You've built a culture, and I, I don't know. Obviously, it sounds like it's on purpose, but it just seems like you um, embody that and just br- are bringing people along with it as well, which is really cool. Uh, what would you, and let, as we kind of wrap up here, what would you give it advice? Because uh, just for uh, somebody who's starting out, right? Maybe they're getting out of college, or maybe they're like finally wanting to to start their business. What what advice would you give to them um, that maybe w- would have been helpful for you starting out? Um, to not take all of the mistakes you make and be so hard on yourself, um, celebrate mistakes because you're learning from it and you will never, ever stop making mistakes, which I, I realized it it took me about five years in business. I was always thinking, okay, next year I won't make this mistake and we won't have to go through this. Well, yeah, we won't make that same mistake, but we'll make different mistakes and sometimes much bigger mistakes. So just learning to grow from your mistakes and not let it get you down because you're going to make tons and tons and tons. And realistically, the more mistakes you make, the faster you're going to grow and the better your business is going to be because of it. Very cool. Anything that you want to, um, it, or any big aspirational goals or financial goal or anything like that you want to share? We can kind of timestamp here. I'm just I'm just curious if, uh, like you said, I guess it's just two years or like two years is the the like you said we were looking at like don't look too far in the future. But like, do you guys have aspirations of being a fifty or a hundred million dollar company at some time in the future, or or what's the what's the big BHAG, I guess? Yeah. So next year we have a slogan. It's called Three and Twenty Three. We want to do $3 million in sales in 2023. And I have a whole system mapped out on how we're going to do it, like week by week, what we need to do. Um, And like, so now our lifetime sales are uh, right at seven figures, but we're only about a million dollars away from hitting that lifetime sales of 10 million. So, you know, we're almost an eight figure business lifetime, which is, I mean, this is 
wild. Like it's so wild to think about just, you know, 15 years ago, I couldn't afford a Subway sandwich to be completely honest. And now to be able to just like 10, like almost have a $10 million business is so, it's just wild. It's, it's yeah. That's so cool. Mm. Yeah. So cool. And do you, um, I don't know if a respiratory, respiratory, uh, like respiratory therapist, like if you have to keep up a license, do you keep your license or like, do you, are you still, um, like ever think like you're going to pursue something like that, um, with your degree? Um, at the five year mark, after I quit being a respiratory therapist, I had to make the decision. Do I want to go back and do all the continuing education to keep that degree? And mm-hmm. as hard as I worked for that degree, I chose not to do that because that degree gave me so many skills of learning how to analytical think, learning how to think under pressure. And, you know, I appreciate all of the schooling I went through because it gave me all the discipline, but I will never go back to working for someone else. I don't think Um, once you work for yourself, I wouldn't, I would probably be a bad employee because I just, I, I, it's hard to explain, but I, I, I will never go back to being a respiratory therapist. I, I can't now because I did make the decision to not uh, renew my license. No, I hear, I, mean, I hear you. Yeah, we're business gonna, owners, so we, I think we know. Yeah, <laughs> we have the same sentiment. Yeah, entrepreneurs like make the worst employees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Christian and I were talking about something for uh, somebody was applying and. Uh, we were looking at our LinkedIn and it's like absolutely horrible. It's like, oh, we went from like college and then went directly into like, oh yeah, we we worked here and then like we just now own a business. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's true. There is a lot of stuff in between it, but we're just not employable. I was like, I, we couldn't get, like nobody would hire us. Maybe as a consultant, but nobody would actually hire us. Like it would, we're not employable anymore. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kara. This was amazing um, and definitely one that I think will inspire a lot of people just because you're so young, you've done so much um, and the business is just such a niche market and just thriving and there's just so many opportunities for growth. So I think, uh, and I know rather that this is going to inspire a lot of people. So really thank you for for your time and for, for jumping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love doing things like this. And I, I've gained so much wisdom from listening to podcasts. So if anyone ever asks me to do a podcast, I always say yes, because I always learn something about myself through it and just being able to give back. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.